2: Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates
3: Price and Coverage Match Limited by State Law. Let's bring James in here. King's insider James. James, this is uh, this is centers on Doc Rivers and Dame Lillard both said or or maybe Dame just like parroted what Doc said about you know, I wouldn't wish anybody walking into a situation where only one result to win a championship. Walking into a situation where you are expected to win the championship, and you're expecting championship, right? I think both were just illing how difficult that. Of course, it it sparked the comment of Would you rather go to the Bucks or the Pistons? Because that's a different level of problems that you're dealing with on each front.
0: Yeah, I'd rather go to the Bucks. <laughs> at least you got a shot. Yeah. No, I, I think for me that would be um, I wouldn't have Pistons job at all. I get why he took it. I, I even with Monty, I, I don't even think he took that just fell. Right. I, what do you mean? I, I,
3: we he, know clearly why he took it.
0: He no, said, no, but, I don't
3: this job. Hey, here's a million more per year. You know what? Doesn't look so bad. <laughs> I should have nope. this conversation with Marty Williams. He has the 10 it million <laughs> and he coaches the rest.
0: <laughs> right. Which one's yeah, but more what worse? I mean by that is he didn't want that job, but what he did was he set a new standard for NBA coaches, which is come. Um, the norm and which will become the norm. And if and take that money, we don't know money initially when it finally hits yeah. like that. So that's what I mean by, I agree. He didn't want that job. At least I, it didn't, it, he wanted that job, but we got so high, you're looking at it like, okay, this is going to carry me and my family forever. But also if we sort of break the, the glass on what an NBA head coach can make, then All of my friends behind me will be able to break this ceiling with me. Mm -hmm. And so I I think that that's part of it. You know, it's not, you're seeing Popovich get the big money, you Spolstra get the big money, but it really does start with this like really, really high contract that, uh, that he was able to, that Monty was able to sign with Detroit. Even a guy like Mike Brown, we don't know exactly what Mike Brown makes, which is different than normal. But I'm going to put him in like the neighborhood of six million dollars a year, five six million. Maybe I'm off, but that's kind of where the Kings were at with Dave Yeager and with Luke Walton. And uh, I would be surprised if that's not what he makes. And then he goes on to win Coach of the Year. And there's I'd another be guy surprised out
3: there. if Mike Brown was paid in the neighborhood of Dave Yeager and Luke Walton. That is not he cal- makes more. Yeah, that is absolutely not the caliber of coach Mike Brown is. With all yeah, due respect think... to Dave Yeager, Dave Yeager was a a, a good coach. Luke Walton was. A completely unproven coach, Mike Brown, was a multi-time. Well, maybe not. He's multi now. He was a coach of the year. He was a sixty-win coach the last time he was on the sideline.
0: Yeah, I don't know what he makes for sure, but that's just like the ballpark. And most head coaches, there's a certain level of head coach that makes that five to seven million dollar range. Mm. That before Monty gets his big deal, there's not a lot more money than that out there. Yeah, I mean, there are certain coaches that get paid really well, but. You know, I, I remember back that when my first head coach was Paul Westfall, and I think he made like one point seven five million because he would he took the money and no one else like would take the money to to coach for that little. Mm. Um so we've seen it progressively get higher in Sacramento, but even throughout the league, but still like a solid like run of the mill to good NBA head coach is like five to six million bucks. So I don't know that like that Mike Brown is gonna in his intro, like his first contract in Sacramento would make more than that, but again, I could be way off we originally, if I'm way off I mean I'm way off by like a million or two
3: you're way off, you're gonna get a phone call about this. <laughs> yeah, let me hold it out Mike <laughs> um, either way, Mike's not starving. I think that's uh, <laughs> the
0: no
4: um we started off with talking about Dame. Going back to Portland, Damian Lillard going back to Portland, and I think we're both in agreement, myself and and uh, D'Lo, that you know it should be you know a wonderful night for everybody involved. Cheers, standing ovation, all this other stuff uh, for Dame Lillard going back to Portland. You you feel the same way that um, it'll be a a very warm welcome for him back in Portland tonight?
0: I think so. I think it could have been a really ugly return, um, especially if. He's playing the Sacramento Kings tonight in a Miami Heat jersey, uh, so you know, like just the way that that was playing out. But the fact that he went to a place that allowed the the Blazers to actually get some value, yeah, I think it it definitely um, you should welcome him back because, like at a certain point, if a player can't win there and his career is winding down, which is exactly what's happening with Dame then you have to be okay as a fan group with that player going in and finishing their career where they might have an opportunity. And I don't think anyone in Portland is is mm. like lost sight of the fact that this team isn't going to compete this year. They're not going to compete next year. They probably won't compete the year after that, but they might. Um, but for right now, this was the best thing for a player who had been there for a long time. And I I didn't feel that way when he was kind of strong arming his way out and trying to force his way to Miami. But now I, I, you know, that we're at after the completion of the deal and he's, he's in Milwaukee and, and there was, you know, the, the trailblazers didn't have to take on bad contracts or players that they didn't want in exchange for him. Um, I I think it all worked out the way it probably should have worked out and, and good for Dame for, for keeping his his eyes and his mind open to going to Milwaukee instead of just Miami.
3: Well, James, let's talk about the Miami Heat and the, and the Sacramento Kings tonight. Um, we have struggled through most of the day to kind of make heads or tails of this game. We, we don't like it's the Heat are in the midst of their longest losing streak under Eric Spoelstra. Uh, you got Sacramento Kings playing well right now, four straight. You know, regardless of you know, how you dissect the Memphis game, it was still a win and it was the four straight one. And you you, you got to think that both teams are coming out hyper aware of the other one.
0: Yeah, I mean, you hope the Kings don't come, come out with like the South Beach flu. Um, that's that's always a problem there. And I mean, what are the Kings won? Like five times since Miami became a team in the NBA uh, in Miami. The Kings have only beat them like five times there. Um, this is a big game for the Kings. You know, every game is big when you're trying to compete for a playoff spot, but this is a game that number one would secure a road trip would give you a, you'd start four and oh on a seven game trip. So you guaranteed to finish above 500. Mm-hmm. It'd be the game that puts you at 10 games over 500, which is a big Mark in the NBA. Uh, it would help you build, you know, confidence and, and keep the momentum rolling. And you're playing a team that, isn't it isn't it strange where like if you battled this team who's lost 7 straight you would feel so much better beating this team than barely squeezing by the the Memphis Grizzlies who are missing like half their team and this is a team that's lost 7 straight so i mean you don't want to be the team that that uh that lets Miami off the hook for sort of their spiral here um but it's also this is this is a big moment for the Kings they need to keep pushing they need to find a way to get to 10 games so they can get to 15, so they can get to 12, but games over 500. And, you know, every every time you take a step back, it's it's so difficult to climb back. Mm-hmm. So again, like the difference between winning and losing tonight, it's going to 10 games under uh, over 500, or it's going to eight games over 500 uh, if you lose. And so uh, I definitely think that this is a game that you got to circle and say, if we can get this one, this is already a successful trip. Now we're playing with house money. Let's go get it, and that's where I'm at with this team. Dame
4: Dame loves playing house money, right? That's
3: that's I hate hate that term, but that's fine. (laughs) I'm just saying, if the money's in front of me, it's mine. Doesn't belong to Sky River Casino anymore. It's now mine. If I lose it, I'm not less. I, I don't have less money than when I walked in. But I still lost the money. That's that's dumb. Retire that yeah. term with dog fighting, uh, dog fight, oh. and what was the what was the other? Oh, beating a dead horse. Stop no, beating a dead horse. Oh, and
4: killing two birds with one stone.
3: stop. Stop stop oh, stop with all of the murder of the animals analogy, and let's retire <laughs> house money as well. Well,
0: the horse is already uh, dead. Well, that's yeah. True. When I was young, I used to gamble all the time, and I had a serious grinder uh of a of a poker player or a blackjack player come up i we were playing next to each other and he said hey go cash that out and i'm like well i'm still playing he goes no no go cash that out bring 40 dollars back start over and start building again he's like trust me it's the only way you're going to get out of here with anything Mm -hmm. and i'm like all right so there is something about like making it real money again and not have bee house money yeah. and then you walk in you're like oh i don't think i want to reach back into my pocket and pull more cash out mm-hmm. that's it's a big difference in reaching in your pocket and pulling more chips out and uh it was it was a wise moment it, it, it taught See? me a lot
3: you learn there it is. you learn now the kings need to get a victory go cash out <laughs> and and get ready for chicago indiana yeah or indiana yeah, yeah. sorry indiana then chicago indiana bad. with
4: forty dollars in their
3: pocket that's <laughs> that's right <laughs> Uh, well,
0: they'll that's be lucky like, if they got that after two nights in Miami. So I was going we'll <laughs> to say
3: that that is that that is that is that isn't is, is even NBA lunch per diem. <laughs> no, no, man, that man,
0: at per diem.
3: Oh, you could
4: Oh, that per is now. Big. And most, it's an most, envelope of
0: cash. Most that's of us dangerous. could.
3: Most of us could live off that per diem and just be perfectly comfortable. Just the extra yeah. stuff <laughs> they give you, yeah, we'd be fine.
4: I was remember a Rod yeah. talking about the per diem he would get. Bro, you just signed a three hundred million dollar contract. Yeah.
3: My these, per diem. These dudes getting I uh, eighty dollar lunch budgets and I have to submit a request to get my twenty dollars in parking from downtown back.
0: Well
3: <laughs> Damn shame. <laughs> damn shame the way they treat us.
4: <laughs> James, another thing I had talked about um with the Kings and Heat and their situation was I find it hard I don't want to say to believe, but it's just, you know, the heat of lost seven games in a row. I think the Heat are good. What they just gonna mess around and lose eight games in a row. And like Damien talked about, is he, gonna, is he gonna set a new record here. Like it sounds crazy. But another reason why this win would be impressive for the Kings is I feel if they were able to get this win over a Miami team that would be desperate to get a win, it'd be a level of them imposing their will on a team. And it feels like that's something we haven't really seen too much this year, where they say, Yeah, we know you're hungry, we know you're desperate but we're the better team, we're going to impose our will and come out of Miami with a victory. And it, it, would, it would say a lot to me if they were able to get this win tonight.
0: No, I think it would too. I mean, no matter what, this is a dangerous team. We all know that. It doesn't matter what the regular season record is. When they get to the playoffs, all bets are off. And this is a team that just can make it can make their way to the NBA Finals at any time. And I don't know how that is because a lot of times the talent level doesn't seem like it's there. But I'd also say there's some incentives in this game, right? Um, like the the Bam bio De'Aaron Fox slash Malik Monk connection is real. Like these guys, they want to play against each other. Uh, they're all college teammates at, at Kentucky, and they all went in the 2017 NBA draft together. Uh, so that's one group. And then I would say that if you're Sabonis, like you want to walk in there and put on a show. Make sure that people know why you were the the third team All NBA center, and Bam Adebayo wasn't, because you know there are a lot of people who are out there who believe that the wrong guy, you know, got the nod there. And every time these two play each other, it just seems like they get in foul trouble super quick, and it's like a really weird game. But that's a big deal. Like you need to go in there and, and show up and and put on a, a good show. So. I think that there's a lot of things going on here between these two teams. And that, that always adds a little intrigue to the night. And I don't think what we're going to see is a disconnected Sacramento Kings team, which we've seen, you know, I don't know, five or six times a season, where they just don't feel like they're mentally ready.
3: Yeah. That was was a disconnected basketball team. But I totally agree. They pulled together and, you know, they, they did enough uh, to get the job done. Um, Hammer, do you think Mike has kind of corrected course a bit here with this team? And that it felt like early in the year he wanted Sacramento to be something. He wanted the Kings to be a defensive team or at least significantly better uh, defensively. And maybe they got away from their offense. Maybe he got a little too cute with what they were doing offensively. And has kind of veered away from that and just, you know, we've spec is the beam team back like has they just kind of slowly gotten themselves back into the groove of where they were last year or are we seeing exactly what Mike wanted from jump?
0: Yeah, I mean it's complicated, right? Um I, Mike still wants to see a defensive-minded team. He still wants them to have a defensive identity that they don't start on game 1 of a playoff series that they've been cultivating the entire year and it still hasn't developed. Uh, this team is, you know, they're equal to or worse than they were last season. Um, regardless of where they stand in the NBA, uh, just as far as like their, their defensive rating is like right around where it was last year. So it, it's tough because Mike is always going to have this identity crisis that he's a defensive minded coach, that his team should play a certain way. And that, you know, it's a battle to teach and to to grow your team the entire season. And right now, I think you get 41 games in, and it's a little bit like the Harrison Barnes thing. Got 41 games in, now it's time to play. Football. Like the second half of the season is here. Now it's time for us to buckle down and get as many wins as possible right now. And however that has to happen is how they're gonna, There is no more waiting around for players or... There's no more, um, you know, there's there's still been time here for Keegan Murray, but it's almost like you put it on hold for a little while and say, you're gonna develop, but you're you're gonna develop while we're trying to win every single game from here on out. And that's where I'm kinda at with this team. I think that that Mike is doing his best to, you know, to use that he has. And that's gonna be the case until he has different players. And that's right now it doesn't look like the Kings. Are, are super clear to anything as far as a transaction here. But I would say, that, like, if they can improve the team between now and February 8th, they're going to. And the only way I see a clear path where the Kings take a gigantic defensively is if they have one or two different players actually play minutes that would actually be better defensive players and help this team improve.
4: Yeah, I, I don't know. I think, I think they can improve with a deal, but I think you can improve with the a deal for for what's out there, you know, uh, a bench piece or, you know, a role player, like some type of swing guy. Um, I, I think at its core, this team scores, they get buckets, and I think that's how you get the best out of this team. And I understand the conundrum that Mike Brown may be in because he wants them to be more of a defensive-minded team and more serious on the defensive end of the ball. But – It's just not the personnel you have right now. You have a team that, you know, maybe when it gets to it, they'll lock up and play some defense, but, you know, not 40 minutes of hell because it's not Arkansas, but 48 minutes of hell, uh, that's, that's just not what this group is. And I think what has happened and what needs to happen, if it hasn't, is play to these guys' strengths. And if anything, they probably get, and it's unfortunate, but they probably get more willing to play defense the more they're scoring. You know what I mean? There's there's players like that, mm-hmm. and you gotta if you're Mike Brown, hey, I need you to score. Like you do. It. Some people would say you can do whatever you want on the offensive end as long as you give me effort, some type of effort on the defensive end, and maybe that's the promise he's made with some of these guys.
0: Yeah, and you can definitely see like a player like Kevin Herter defensively has gotten better as his shot has come back around. Mm-hmm. Like it's just kind of the nature of the beast. Uh, so many of these players are are very specific. They, they have been the leading scorer on every team that they've ever played for since the time they were like six years old. And that's just who they are as players and trying to make them into something different or trying to get them to learn a way of playing defense that is actually impactful and sustainable. It's just not super easy. And, you know, that's why sometimes it is easier just to go out and get someone else. you know, I know that that sounds kind of like cold blooded, but, You know, if you really want to improve on the defensive end, you know, go out and get somebody else, but, but know that it might not work Mm -hmm. that just, you know, when you go out and get a player and you, you, you try to say, Hey, well, this guy does this. So he's going to help us. Like, I always get back to like when the, the 2002, 2003, 2004, Sacramento, uh, Sacramento Kings with, um, when they decided to bring in Keon Clark and like, Hey, we need better defense. Let's bring on a shot blocker, and it didn't just didn't really work, you know. And and maybe they could have given it more time, or maybe they gave it too much time. But either way, it wasn't something that was noticeably different and changed the outcome of the of the team. I think if you're gonna make a move at midseason, and you're gonna give up like really heavily on the offensive and to get defensive minded players those defensive minded players better be able to play offense as well. And so you're just playing in a different talent pool and that's where I don't think a fringe move helps you all that much because you know what if if you go add a better backup center, I mean the backup center on the Kings plays 13 minutes a night. If you want a better backup point guard, the backup point guard plays 13 minutes a night. So what are we talking about? How do you find a player that's going to unseat the players that you already have and really make an impact? And that it's just very difficult to do unless you kind of go on with an all-in move for, you know, a player who's who's like known as a better two-way player that can actually impact the game on both ends of the court.
3: And that's the like the idea of bringing in a defensive player to turn the defensive fortunes around of a team seems a bit silly to me. Like you look at what's happening in New York right now. OG Ananobi, the the, 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 the Knicks look incredible since OG Ananobi arrived. But that's a defensive minded coach with a team that is built to play defense. Mm-hmm. Like, it's not the same thing as bringing in a really good defender on a guy who, or, or onto a, a, a really good defender onto a team that is known for their offense. Mm-hmm. Like, if the Pacers added OG Ananobi, what is that going to do to their defense? Right. Nothing. OG Ananobi better figure out a way to score if he's going to keep up. Mm-hmm. I feel like that's kind of like what we're talking about here in Sacramento. Now, it's great that De'Aaron has emerged as a really good defender, it's great that Keegan is. Really, really starting to become a powerful two way player, or at least a really powerful player on the defensive end. But that's not something where you bring in, you know, in a, you know a defensive stalwart, and it's like, oh, all of a sudden, boy, this Kings team, they were, they were scoring 120 a week ago, but now, man, they're winning games holding teams to 90. No, it's not. Like, how many times have we already talked about, James? Like, there's not a lot of defense being played in this entire league right
0: now. Oh, not at all. Like, this is a shocking turn that the league has taken. Like, the only way, again, the Kings set the record for the highest offensive rating of all time last year. Right now, I think they're seventh or eighth. That that number from last year would be seventh or eighth in today's NBA. Yeah. Whatever's happening right now is crazy. There, I mean, how many we've seen 270s and a 60 point night in the last week and a half?
3: 270s and 260s. Carl Anthony did it the same night Joel Embiid did it. And then Devin Booker did it the night Luka Doncic did it.
0: Oh, yeah. So, yeah, I mean, to me, that's I don't crazy. know that that sentence made sense at all. <laughs> yeah. But there was a 60 and a 70 it. on the same <laughs> night twice. Two 70s and two 60s in the span of a week. Yeah. And, I mean, it just tells you that no one is playing defense. However they're calling the game, it's open a floodgate, and, and teams are taking advantage, and... Um, and and, like, to be honest, teams aren't playing defense and you brought up OG and like, OG is one of the rare guys that, you know, he's averaging 15.6 points per game for the Knicks. He's a two-way player. Mm -hmm. He's a guy that yes, will impact and will shut down a certain portion of, you know, will help out on the defensive end. And if you would have had a guy like him and Keegan Murray side by side, who are both playing really good defense, then maybe you could improve the overall defense. But it's really hard to say, let's just say the Kings trade for Matisse Stiebel, right? Matisse Stiebel is a great defender, but you're not going to play Matisse Stiebel more than 18 to 20 minutes a night. He's just not good enough offensively. And the fact that he's hitting threes at a higher clip, okay, it wasn't really sustainable. It hasn't held up all season long where he's sitting out there hitting, you know, like 40-something percent of, of six or seven threes a game. That's not who he is. And so it's really hard to trade an offensive piece for a defensive piece and just like continue the continuity that you already have. And that's where, uh, you know, guys like, like Jeremy Grant come in where you're like, okay, he's a really good defensive player and he might be able to fit in offensively. Maybe that works. Maybe he works as like a, your version of OG Ananobi, but how do you get him out of Portland? And so there are all of these give and takes that you're trying to go through. And I would still hold on to the the fact that I don't think this team, like, if you're just going to play on the fringes, if you're just going to be looking for an eighth, ninth, 10th man, um, like, I don't know that you need to make a move. Like you might as well wait till this summer if that's where you're going, mm. because that's not going to change you from being like uh, where they are right now to where, you know, like a third round of the playoff team, like a Western conference finals team at least not in my opinion. And I think that right now we could all say that they could get bounced in the first round. They could somehow make it to the second round. We don't know. Um, I don't think a move like that guarantees you that you get past that. And what are you giving up in order to get there? And unless it's just like an easy deal where it's like, okay, you know, again, Davion Mitchell or Chris Warte, you're not in the rotation, like set in the rotation, but we're going to go get this player to switch something small. Maybe that works, but it works as like improving you by a game or two on the whole season. And that's not really enough to make, you know, to move the needle, in my opinion.
3: We'll come back. We'll talk a lot more with our insider, James Ham here. Our insider of the insiders as we get ready for King's Heat tonight here with Dillon with KC on Sacramento Sports Leader ESPN
1: 1320.
0: Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced.
1: Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game.
2: Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.
3: Sky River Casino, where we will be this Friday. 32 come through, hang out, live show, uh, into a watch party. uh, And happy birthday. Yes, indeed. A different Pacers team than we saw earlier this year. It Uh, is. Tyrese, Pascal Siakam. Um, Happy birthday to our man, Calvin. Uh that's Kyron's nine-year-old son, man. They are oh, man. uh in the car right now on the drive. Calvin, happy birthday, Brody. We appreciate you. Happy birthday, big uh, dog. Yes, sir, uh make sure make sure dad and the whole family takes good care of you tonight. Um All right, James, let's get back into uh the Kings heat. We are eight days away from the trade deadline. Uh the narrative is starting to shift around players around the league suddenly. Suddenly, guys aren't worth two first-round picks anymore. Oh, that was overblown. That's that's no that that no that was a media creation. Not true. You noted this a minute ago. It's been awfully quiet. Kings are winning basketball. They play. They still play four games or five. Five. Games. We we just did this. Well, fight. they got yeah, they tonight they got five games because there's two, four two, left on the road, and then um, Detroit. Detroit. Yeah. At, at the Golden One Center, mm-hmm. they still five games. Before the trade deadline, the Kings could be on a five game winning streak, a five game streak, a nine game winning streak or like some combination of the both. But it's like if you take the win streak out of the equation, look at recent play, like vibes are a, a, a little bit up. Is there a move worth for Sacramento?
0: Yeah, I think then is how much how much little streak of games like does it change your idea of who they are? And realistically, it shouldn't. Like, if you're a move, you're making a move for today, tomorrow, and the year after. You're not making a move for today, you're making a move because, yeah, I mean, this team is good enough to make the playoffs. That I don't think I'm like breaking any news there, but they are. I mean, so if you're going to take a step forward and become a true contender, you probably got to make a move. And that move could be a move that makes you take a step backwards to te- take a step forward. Um, it could, it could end up just messing up everything towards the end of this season and really putting you in a tailspin. But if the, the move is the right move for you long-term, then you risk that. Um, but like, look, they're on the clock. Like you only get like this small window here now where, you're trying to put something together and you're, you're competing with other teams for the same players. And this is when we start to, you know, kind of all the, the BS gets sifted out. You know, we, I don't think I ever believe not even once that some team was going to give two first round picks for Kyle Kuzma. I don't care who it is. There, there wasn't that deal out there. So where do you go now? And like, if you're, if you're Washington, you made some commitments here. And you need to go out there and probably back off of those commitments and get back to team building and using the draft the right way and all that, uh, and see if you can turn some of these players into picks. Because, like, I don't think you're not going to be able to deal Jordan Poole, at least not that I can tell. You're not, you know, some of these guys, you're just not going to be able to deal Kyle Kuzma on that contract. Yeah, you can deal that. And you're, but you're not getting what you thought you were, or at least what you had somebody put out there in the press that you were looking for. So, you know, we talked about this before I left today. You know, you, you, you want five million bucks for your house and, and you put it on the market, and the best offer you get is three million bucks. I hate to tell you, you don't have a five million dollar house, you have a three million dollar house, mm-hmm. and it is what it is. So at this point, like, hey, if I'm the Kings, I'm jumping right back into that conversation because. Maybe it is a right fit. Maybe it is a good player that can help your team. Maybe he isn't perfect, but, you know, very few players in the league are. And maybe this is a, a deal where not only can you get in and, and get a player that you need for not a huge price, but also if something goes wrong and in two years it's just not working out, his declining skill contract is just, just, just easy to move. Easy, easy, easy.
3: And what was the— uh... We don't even talk like players finish their contracts. Oh, like, yeah, when it starts to decline. <laughs> we just trade them. Is true. We don't even talk he about just players. Just signed the contract this summer. He's just eligible for a trade like two weeks ago. Right. Right. <laughs> true.
0: True that.
4: Um, what was the trade that that you guys had talked about um, uh, on the insiders? I came in for the tail end of it, but to to get Kyle Kuzma in Sacramento potentially.
0: Yeah, I mean, I think. Look, if. Washington is really looking to hit the reset button and I'm not sure what they're doing because nothing that's happened over the last like year really makes a ton of sense for what they're trying to do. But if I really am looking to reset and, and build out, I want, I want picks for Kuzma and I'm not even really concerned with what I'm getting back. Like nothing that you're going to get back should be on your roster in two years, you know, worst case three years. Like, but, You should be able to take a step back financially in the deal and you should be able to get like a, a lottery protected first, or maybe a top 10 protected first and maybe one or two seconds along with matching salary. So our question, Kenny, when you came in was, can you get a Kuzma deal done without having, without putting Harrison Barnes or Kevin Herter Mm -hmm. into the deal and the answer is yes. It, it might not be like the easiest thing to do, uh, but like you could put together a deal that included Davion Mitchell, that included Chris Duarte, that included uh, Trey Lyles, and then a minimum scale player. So, like a four for one swap. And that would, you know, that would get you the player that you want. And then that would allow you to move Harrison Barnes. To the second unit where he might be better suited as a player who you know can get more some additional shots uh but then you're gonna have to backfill then you're gonna have to like search the league for you know a backup guard and and some of the, you know or you can just trust that Colby Jones and that uh Sasha Vzenkov can step in and uh that, that Keon Ellis can step up or you know even Kessler Edwards depending on who it is that you trade in a deal like that. But there is a way here for the Kings. Because that, for me, that is a a move where you don't just improve your starting lineup by swapping Kuzma out for Barnes, but you improve your second unit. Because mm-hmm. now your second best player on your second unit instead of Trey Lyles, it's Harrison Barnes. And I, Kenny, I don't think you believe that Harrison Barnes is more valuable than Trey Lyles at this point. And I'm not advocating for trading Trey Lyles. I like Trey Lyles and... I hope he sticks around in Sacramento, but you're looking at a guy who's on a two-year, sixteen million dollar contract. You don't pass up a deal that could strengthen your top seven, unless you know you're going to have to give up something. Is basically what I'm saying. So, yeah. Anyway, that that's kind of where I was at, Kenny. And I, I know it's not something that everyone would be like all in on, but like financially, it would work, uh, and it would also work today, tomorrow two years from now, three years from now, the year after that, where you got a guy who 28 years old under contract for four years on a declining scale deal.
4: And, and look, I will say this though, too, as much as I want Trey Lyles here and I would, it's all about negotiations, right? I would negotiate to change that deal up. That's not a deal breaker. If I went back to them, I was like, what'd you think about Harrison instead of Trey Lyles? They're like, no, we want Trey Lyles. All right, man. All right, we'll do the deal. I'm not going to be like, well, deal's off. I I don't don't look at Trey. I think Kuzma's the the prize. I want Kuzma here. So as much as I like Trey Lyles, as much as I like Harrison Barnes, whatever I got to do to get Kyle Kuzma here in that realm of things, you know what I mean, I'll do it. You know, I'll do it. I'll negotiate. I'll try and work the deal out a different way. But I'm not going to walk away from the table. Because of Trey Lyles.
0: Hmm. Hmm.
3: Sure felt like you walked away from a table earlier this year when we were having a conversation about Trey Lyles. But was it for Kyle Kuzma? I don't remember who it was for, to be honest with you. I've been (laughs) racking my. I don't remember what that was. (laughs) I don't remember why we were doing that. I don't even remember why. I don't understand why Trey Lyles is in any of these discussions. (laughs) But I get it. So I guess I I think I know the answer, Ham. We've had there's two players in the King's starting lineup who have had a, you know Kevin Herter's stretch over the last seven games has been just dramatic. I mean we're we're talking almost like I, th- I think he went from nine points per game like nine point something points per game to seventeen point seven points per game. He's shooting forty eight percent from 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 the free the uh, three point line when it felt like he was shooting four point eight percent from the three-point line through the first part of the season. And then you've got this Harrison Barnes stuff, where now all of a sudden Harrison Barnes is taking 15 shots per game. (laughs) And you're left here, again, with five games before the trade deadline, and that's taking you all the way up till the trade deadline, writing, "Wait wait a minute, which version of this, like, which version of this player are you guys? Kevin Herter, are you the guy we've seen most recently? Harrison Barnes, are you the guys we've seen most recently? Or... Are you the guys who are you know kind of d- digging yourself out of a what I don't know what was I don't call it a slump I don't know what was going on with those guys Nobody to start likes. the season I have my feelings about Kevin Herder and I think there's a handful of people at fault for the way Kevin Herter was playing to start the season. Harrison's confusing to me. I don't I don't know.
0: I think it's all confusing. Like I, <laughs> well, to have a to have a shooting guard you know. forget how to shoot and literally have like a giant hitch in a shot for weeks. And you could like the, the mental aspect of the game clearly, clearly got to Kevin. I think Harrison Barnes is like a really interesting case study in a, in a player who just tried to be a good teammate and take a step back when the team asked him to, and didn't really realize how far of a step back he had taken. And maybe he's not a social media guy. Maybe he didn't hear like the drum beating from the fan base of like, why is this guy still starting? But then he shows up, and you're like, "Okay, he looks really good." But at the end of the day, I just it doesn't change your major problem that <laughs> you have. Harrison showed up game. like
3: I'm the greatest player ever. Like I got yeah. 32, 39. Y'all can't touch me. <laughs> oh, okay. Well, welcome to the season, HB.
0: Yeah, I guess it. it, Damian, it just depends on who you want to be, and like if the Kings want to be a title contender they have to have better players than what they have today. That's just it. They have to have the pieces that make you an elite team. You can't look at all the teams in the Western Conference and say, "Well, we're going to struggle against the Clippers because they've got Kawhi. We're going to struggle against New Orleans because they've got Zion and they've got Brandon Ingram. And we're going to struggle against, you know, the whoever, Minnesota Timberwolves or you just keep laying out these teams that are long and athletic and at, at some point you have to go get the piece that makes your team whole and whatever, however much that hurts, you kind of have to do it. And you know, you're, you're allowing Keegan Murray to grow and he's trying his best to show you that he can fill one of the spaces that you need, but you still need the guy with a seven foot three wingspan that can defend the three and the four and, and give you some athleticism and go up against these long, super-athletic forwards that you just cannot compete with right now. And so to me, it doesn't matter how good Harrison Barnes plays. It, it doesn't change the calculus. Because as of right now, if he's the same player he was last year, you still needed that player. You still needed to go get that player. And we talked about it a bunch of times, but when you walk in, your four forwards, it, walking into a season are Harrison Barnes and Keegan Murray – and Trey Lyles and Sasha Vazenkov. You didn't address the, the giant need for this team that makes you better defensively, that that makes you more versatile, and that's it. So I don't care what the last couple of games look like for for these guys. It's good that they're winning, but you need players that that fit the needs, that fit the that allow you to compete with Michael Porter Jr. and and Aaron Gordon. And all of these other players that you're going to run into, if your pathway is to the playoffs and wherever that takes you.
4: And James, and I, I know, I know you understand this. I know you're not necessarily saying this, but Damien, that goes to what we've said a number of different times over the last couple months. Why does that need to happen today? Why do the Kings go from 16 years? And in sixteen months you better be a championship contender. What? <laughs> like they're they're building something here. And they got out of the doldrums, got into the playoffs. Now they're with the unit they have, they're a legit playoff team. And everything that James said is right. You need that to be a championship contender. But this might not be the time to go get the, that. That might not even be available right now. That I, I, that next guy to take you over to over to hump. That might not be available. So don't if 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 you don't believe Kyle Kuzma makes you a championship team, don't run out and just go get Kyle Kuzma just because. It's okay to stand pat with these guys, make the playoffs, see what they can do, no. and then make your moves this summer. I,
3: I got you. And, James, I think I have an answer to that. And James, weigh in on this. I, I think I have a response to that. That's what Mike said. Mike used the word there. Mm-hmm. Mike was the first one to use the word contender. Mm-hmm. Now, I don't think he said we are a contender. We're going to be a contender. He said, if we're going to be a contender, and granted, this was in training camp. I don't think he's used that word in a long time. But he said, if we're going to be a contender, these are the things that we have to do. Mm-hmm. And then you had the the flip-floppy stuff with Duarte and Herder, which I, I I really think caused much more harm than any good it did. Mm-hmm. And that's why. Yeah. I, I, I mean, granted, you don't go into the season going, all right, let's stamp pat. like yeah. if we lose in the first round, it's cool. Like I get you don't do that. Yeah. But at the same time But but even then choose your words carefully. But but even then, even if you're saying I can
4: we could post up there and be like, this is what the Kings need to win a championship. And it would be a hundred percent right. Mike Brown is like, this is what we need to win a championship. That's not it's not for sale right now. <laughs> it's not for sale. Like it's not there. If, once again, if you don't believe, right up there on the board, if you don't believe Kyle Kuzma gets you to a championship level, don't go get him just to go get him. Like, yeah. take your time, Harrison Barnes. I think I think Kyle could take you to another level where you could be a conference champ, maybe a finals-type team. But if, if Monty did that and Mike don't believe that, don't go get him just to go get him. Like, take your time, be pace the whole thing, because you're – right on schedule for what you're going to build for a long-term success you get this summer, see what's available this summer.
0: No, I get you. I just, this is professional sports. And, you know, to quote the, the great Jerry Reynolds, anyone who tells you in the NBA that they have a five-year plan doesn't have any plan at all. (laughs) You You have to find ways to improve. And again, like if you're, if we, if we equate this to like a house, like you're building a house, you got your foundation pieces, you've got, you, you frame the thing up, like you, you put the roof on it, you, but you don't have any windows. They're out of windows. You You, you just can't so, leave your house open with no windows <laughs> and think, oh, that's okay. Because in the end, it's not like what we're talking about here. And I'm not saying go get Kyle Kuzma just to get Kyle Kuzma. You, you get Kyle Kuzma because he's a better player than what you have right now at, your, at one of your positions. Mm-hmm. That's why you get him. And does he take you over the top and make you a championship team? I would argue no, but it doesn't mean he doesn't make you a better team, mm-hmm. and it doesn't mean that he's not like an end, like the beginning of something that leads to something else. And that's where you have to be cautious about how much you give up and how much you're taking back and, you know, like do not do not give up two first round picks and lock up all of your your first round picks for the next 5 years because of Kyle Kuzma but you do at least have to like figure out ways to get better on the fly and do it right now and you know you, we understand that this team has limitations and they understand that this team has limitations but you're also we're not sitting here just wasting years of players careers because you're you, you can't get a deal done or because you can't find a player that, you know, for whatever reason, the Pelicans can find eight of them and you can't find any of them, you know? And so at some point you do have to find the right pieces that can take you over the top. And just because you find a piece right now, that doesn't mean that you found the piece again, go back to like, when this whole thing started in 1998, it was Tariq Abdul Wahed was starting at shooting guard. And then it was Nick Anderson. And then it was Doug Christie. Like it, it's not one move that you're you're all in on or you're not all in on, but you have to you have to try to improve the talent level on your team, and that's where I'm at with Kyle Kuzma. Like I think he improves the talent level on the team. I think Jeremy Grant improves the talent level on the team, and then it's like how much does it cost you and how do you get, how how much does it knock you off kilter making a move like that?
3: A uh, quick note for the audience listening on 1320 AM and on the Odyssey app: our first ever purple and black pre-game show with James and Kyle is coming up next. Nice. Stay mm. tapped in to that. I really wish we had brainstormed the name of this thing, but I get it. The purple and black pregame show. We can we can run with that for now. We'll we'll find something a little more catchy. I, uh, I had
0: nothing to do with the naming well, of this. I
3: feel like I know who did and we'll we'll deal with that in time. But we've got to be generic as possible because you know we're not the home. So let's be boring purple and black pregame show Sacramento uh,
0: basketball team pregame the, show And while they're out there they can look for the James Ham and Kyle Madsen podcast that is the
3: god damn it James <laughs> first the Karen the Bagley pissed me off now oh, the, no. now that now that now that Kyle and James podcast they do have a podcast you can check the insiders out in podcast form you just can't search the insiders you have to search Kyle Madsen and James Ham and I'll answer yeah. the question you're asking in your head. Is that the most ridiculous thing ever? Yep, it is. I told somebody
0: them, got paid to say no.
3: Title the podcast "The Insiders" with James Ham and Kyle Matson. Why? Because I'm pretty confident James Ham and Kyle Matson's name aren't trademarked by anybody else. Mm. Call nope. the show. Not the, even me. As much, pro- it's, it reminds me, Casey. Much progress as we've made, we've got so far to go. <laughs> I feel we, we just we are not we're not there yet. We're not there yet. Forward. We still got work ahead. Uh, but our first ever purple and black pregame show is next on the radio. Immediately followed by Run It Back. So there's much more Kings talk ahead as we get ready for the Sacramento Kings and the Miami Heat. How do you think Miami or excuse me, how do you think Sacramento comes out in this game against Miami?
4: Um. I think they're going to play a good game. I don't know if they're going to win or lose, but I think they're going to play. Well, a good they're going to do one or the other. Yeah. Well, yeah, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know do if they're going to win. I don't know if they're going to lose. <laughs> They'll do one of them. But I think they're going to play a good game tonight. I don't think this is going to so be So we out.
3: set the over-under, James, this was stunning. We set the over-under for Harrison Barnes' point total in the Memphis game on Monday. We set it at 12 and a half. He finished with 12.
4: We all said over, too. And we Jesse. all
3: – except Jesse was the only one who got paid on Monday. So are we sticking with 12-and-a-half as the number? Yeah, let's do it. I'm going over again. You're going over again. James, you're going over 12-and-a-half for Harrison Barnes? I'm going Jesse? over. Yeah, let, let, let's go over. We're going to have a wow. big game today. We'll go over. you going to go over? I'm not. Ooh. I'm not. But if we set oh. the number at 14-and-a-half for Kevin Herter, where are we going? Because mm. I'm under. I'm taking the over on Herter tonight. Well, I'm going under. Herter's oh. going to show Tyler Hero something. <laughs> I'm
0: going to go under on Herter. I'll go HB Big Game though.
3: Big Game. I'm going to
0: go. I'm going to go under.
3: Wow. Okay. Under. Under hey, hey. Hey. Monk is back tonight. Well, see that. So Monk so that's the thing. Tonight. I'm going back to Will Z talking about the uh, interior defense of this this Miami Heat team, and it does feel like it's primed for Fox. Malik and Demontis Sabonis
4: and Monk ain't gonna have five points against Bam. He
3: ain't doing that. Yeah, no Monk and and Demontis is gonna have a twenty and eighteen and seven game that won't get referenced anywhere but here. That's about it. All right. Uh, so much more ahead. Purple and black pregame show with James and Kyle coming up next. Uh, if you want more Dealing and KC, we'll head over to 1025. We're giving away Justin Timberlake tickets over there, Bruce Bruce tickets over there. Um, we got a lot ahead. Plus Kings basketball. Man, you know what it is. Steele and KC, we'll cover it all tomorrow. Uh, Stealing with KC brought to you by Sky River Casino here on Sacramento Sports Leader ESPN 1320.
2: Bamos Kings, light the beam. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance.